If you have uh, your Bible today, uh, or you can look at the screen, uh, I want to read uh, as just kind of a text, Genesis chapter 25, and I'm going to read verses 20, and I'm going to go ahead and read down through verse 26 and uh, uh, this morning to get us started. Uh, don't judge me on the glasses. Uh, Genesis 25 verse 20. If you're there or you see it in front of you, would you say word? All right. Thank you. And Isaac, and one thing I just want, (laughs) I won't do this again, but uh, I I still read from the King James. I'm sorry. Uh, That's all I know. Uh, I use other translations, but this is the one I'm familiar with. Uh, So I'm good with it. So if it throws you a little bit, uh, please just bear with me. Say, you know, they got to work with the old guy. So uh, we'll just go with that. All right. Verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. Skip down to verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Verse 24, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red and uh, red all over and, and hairy like a garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will just help us the next few moments, and I pray that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And I pray that you will help us to receive a word today. It may just be a word, it may be a sentence, it may be a thought, maybe something I say will help somebody to think of something that I didn't say, but it'll, it'll actually ignite something inside of them. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will lead and guide in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a a handle, it's on your notes, but give you a handle today. Uh, The weight, that's what we're going to talk about, the weight of hope, the weight of hope. And uh, I want to look at hope for just a moment uh, because, you know, there's a lot of us have different ideas, but let me just kind of give you some direction on that. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for something certain to happen expectation. Actually, expectation and desire fuel hope. And uh, all of us have experienced expectation in one way or another, either expectation that we uh, bring into our own lives or maybe the expectation of others that are around us. And uh, But all of us have experienced that. So I, I want to focus on that for a few moments. And I really want you to, to think about Rebecca. I, I realize that I'm a man She's a woman, but I'm going to try to get up in her head for just a little bit, or maybe I can just step back and be Isaac and and, uh, just look at uh, his wife and just kind of address it from that perspective. But I want to look at the pressure of expectation 
because all of us have experienced it. Uh, let me just give you first Rebecca's, you know, let me give you context. In chapter 24 of Genesis, uh, Abraham's wife Sarah dies and he's looking for a wife for his son, Isaac, who's about 40 years old. So he sends his servant out with an oath that he'll find a wife from his people. He sends him out and uh, as God directs, he does find a wife for his son uh, and for time they connect and uh, she, uh, the things that he prayed about, she fall in, fell into line with, and uh, everything just seemed to be going, uh, and the, the servant was really excited that things happened so quickly. Uh, they talked to her, she did everything. They put gold on her, give her a necklace and earrings, and they really fixed her up and blessed her, and then asked to spend the night, and uh, just all of a sudden, just a day going out to draw water turned into quite an event for her. It was a God moment, it was a God connection, it was the day God chose her, picked her, uh, the woman that had been prayed for, prayed about, came into light, and her life would change forever. And along with that, she spoke to her family, that uh, they went to their house and so on and so forth, and they blessed them. And that's really what I want you to look at for just a moment. Think about it. In about 24 hours, her life went from what it was to uh, just a significant change. Everything turned around. We talk about God being the God of the turnaround and uh, or this whatever, you know, God will take you from the last to the first place. But people don't realize and can't visualize that because if you have three people standing here, you may be in the back of the line. But a turnaround, everybody turns around 180 degrees, now you're in the front of the line. Can I just tell somebody here today that God is gonna turn your life around? It will be in a moment of time. But God can change everything in a moment. So here she is now within 24 hours on the back of a camel headed for a husband she'd never met before, but she has a lot of gifts. She finds out all of the things that he has and she's excited. So she's now setting expectation for her life. And uh, she's setting expectations, she's thinking about it. You know, this may sound strange to some of you, especially in the day we're living in, but I, I always, from the time that I was uh, maybe a freshman or sophomore in high school, I wanted to be grown, have a job, and have a wife and family. That may sound odd, but I just thought it was awesome, and I, I just always wanted to have things. So when I got out of high school, and somebody said, hey, let's go look for some girls, let's go find a girlfriend. I said, no, I'm really looking for a wife. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not interested in just playing games. I'm looking for a wife. I'm ready to move with life. And uh, I had a very driven personality, so I, I, everything was on a list for me. It was just marked down, because I, I had great expectation for my life, and, and I, I just marked things off the list, and I, I, can, I can get her now showing up her life is good, she's now married to Isaac, thinking about all the life they're gonna have together and all the good things, and just she had the greatest of expectation and she's got hope alive inside of her, and then all of a sudden, she finds out, wow, I'm barren. The, the one thing that I wanted to do, and that the one thing that really in that culture was expected of her was to have a child, and she's, Barren, she's unable to have children. And uh, wh what a thought. I don't know if that happened in year one or year two uh, because she was barren for almost 20 years. 
And I don't know what that started bothering her. Maybe her husband wondering what's going on. I get that. Uh, and we read it in our text, so I'm not going to read it again, but I get that because uh, I, I made a, because of being such a driven person, uh, I understand really her plight because here she is barren and now the expectations that she had for life, now instead of her expectation, now she's wondering what other people are thinking about her, her husband, the people around her. Now she can't produce a child. And now she's dealing with the pressure of that expectation. And I actually get that because I made a bad decision. And uh, I'll be honest with you, in 1985, I was 25 years old. And uh, I, I thought, well, I had a, a son. And my, my wife is younger than me. Uh, I had a son. Then I had a daughter. And uh, I thought, wow, okay. And everybody around me was telling me, you know, when you got a son or daughter, that's it, man. Lock it down. Uh, move on, and I'm 25 years old, and I thought, okay, yeah, good, well, okay, yeah, I got that, now I'll move to the next thing, and I actually made a decision uh, to, uh, to have a procedure, uh, Ben's, this is not a men's conference, I'll be careful, uh, I, I had a, <laughs> to have a procedure uh, that would not allow me to have any more children at 25 years old. I'm telling you, within a few months, I knew I'd made a mistake. Something just didn't feel right. And uh, I didn't really talk it over with my wife. I was at that point, I was masculine, not toxic, but on the border. Uh, but just a, a controlling person and just a driven person. Uh, and my wife just had a child, she's young, had the second, so you know, she just was overwhelmed. And so I just made a decision and I, I started regretting it deeply. And uh, finally, after a while, I discussed it with my wife and I said, you know, I'm really sorry. Uh, I, I made a very poor decision. And uh, we started living with that because she started awakening to that and we dealt with that for about five years. And uh, just there was, while good things were happening, there was just an, an emptiness in our home because of, because of that. And it's interesting in looking back because I was a driven person, as I mentioned to you, and everything was logged out, I actually had names for five sons. I actually hit them written down, five names. They were all gonna have my, my name as their middle name. There's all gonna be Philip. Something Philip. Now, not George, like George Foreman, five Georges, but their first name would be different. And, and I did all that, because I always thought growing up, my father was a pastor, and I always looked, and there were so many amazing young women in church, and there never was enough uh, good quality young men. And I thought, well, I'll fix that. I'll have five good ones and help the process. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to do my part. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, uh, but that all concerned me because I didn't give it a lot of thought. Finally, at age 30, 1990, I... Uh, I found a place in San Antonio that I could afford, uh, and uh, I got my issue uh, switched around. And uh, so that, that was a challenge. Well, that's a story all of its own. But uh, yeah, uh, but uh, I, I got things changed, but they told me that if something didn't happen in the first few months, because I'd waited five years, the first few months or if it didn't happen, you know, within the year, it, it percentages went down to where it went down like 2% chance, 1%, and then it faded out in a couple of years and uh, nothing. So for the next eight years, 
nothing. And I'm gonna tell you something, that puts a lot of strain in your house. My wife, every month, uh, is uh, you know giving me some bad news, and I'm doing my part, I'm just saying. Uh, so, <laughs> but obviously, obviously I wasn't coming through. Uh, but, uh, and on we went until finally, it, it put pressure on our marriage. Uh, it, there was a strain because of, of the barrenness. And I could just imagine, you know, Isaac and, and Rebecca for almost 20 years, uh, you know, the strain of that wondering uh, every time, every month, wondering, every year goes by wondering. And suddenly the hope and expectations that you have begins to dim. And the hope becomes, you know, less bright. It just dims out. And finally, about, uh, I was about 19... 96 or 97, we just finally gave up because it put too much strain on our marriage for, you know, six or seven years. So I, uh, we just gave up. I turned 38 and one day my wife, uh, I come home and my wife is, has this really weird thing going on and uh, she was pregnant. Wow. So I'm not here talking about pregnancy, but I will say this. I will say this that I learned some things in that process. And can I tell somebody, especially somebody that's, you know, working for God in ministry, a lot of things that we go through do not make sense. Uh, they don't make sense. But God is teaching us things that will help us to be a blessing to other people. Okay, we're getting equipped. Uh, that was a lesson in my life. I learned a lot of things. I also learned, and I will share this with you, that uh, you'll conceive on day 14 of your cycle. Day 14, not day nine, not day 26, day 14. You say, oh, I don't know about that. My son was trying to have a child and the doctor was telling him this, that, and the other. They're doing all kinds of things. And the doctor told him day 10 and I told him, wrong. It wasn't working out. I said, wrong. When I finally found out about it, it's day 14. Now go do your job. And uh, that, that following month, uh, his wife got pregnant. Uh, I'm just telling you, God works things out. God has a plan. So barrenness can be an issue, not only with regard to children, but in your life. Somebody here today, you may have started out, uh, you know, a business and now things seem to be locked down and drying out and you just feel so empty and you feel so listless and you feel like there's no hope or maybe somebody uh, with, uh, with your family, your children struggling. But I just want to tell somebody today in any area of your life, if you're feeling depleted, if you're feeling like your expectations have just dropped and life happens, I want to tell you life happens to everybody. Everybody deals with life. Life comes into my world, life comes into your world. But I want to tell you that God can help you to break the barrenness off your life. God is the one that'll take care of that. I want to share something with you. I feel like today, and I know I'm bogging down here, so don't worry, I'll watch the clock, I'll finish, I don't have to finish the message, I'll finish because I want to help somebody today. I wanna to tell you, I wanna give you something today that'll help you. If you're having barrenness in your life, if you don't believe what I'm gonna say in just a moment, that's fine, please. Just, just don't receive it, let it roll right on past you. But I wanna tell you, there is a very strategic moment coming up in a few weeks, and it's uh, hard for the house 
Sunday. Let me just tell, tell you something, what's happened for me, what's happened to people around me. That is a very critical offering. It's not so much, it is because we're trying to help the house, but it's a special offering. And uh, there's a seed, an offering is a seed. Now I'm from Bakersfield, as, as you mentioned. So when farmers go out to plant a field, they don't just go out and throw seed and whatever. They decide what they want in that field. You can attach a need to a seed. You say, it don't make sense to me, but just let me roll with it for a moment. You attach a need with a seed and you see what God will do. I, I, uh, this was several years ago in, in 04. At the end of 04, I planted a, uh, a significant seed that uh, made me stretch a little bit, my wife and I, because at that time I was wanting to get a home uh, in Marietta. And so help me, I put a need, I said, God, we want a house. I cannot afford it. It don't look like it's gonna work out for me. Uh, I came from Bakersfield, man. At that time, their prices were twice as much in Marietta and Temecula. And I, but I put attached a need to a seed, and by that was in December, and by June of that year, I was in the house that I'm living in now. I, I just wanna tell you, you, and whatever it is in your life, you want your business to expand, you want things to move forward. Everything we do for God and in God's house is strategic. Everything is important. There are ways to break barrenness off your life. God wants you to go from barrenness, you and I both, from barrenness to fruitfulness. We may have seasons of barrenness where God is teaching us some things, but at the end of the day, God wants us to walk in fruitfulness. So if you're in barrenness right now, let me just tell you, you. Figure out what God is trying to teach you. Do a few things to align yourself and you see God break through some things in your life. Our pastor, I heard him. Uh, I can't remember what setting it was, but he talked about uh, this year finishing strong and next year we're going into a season of acceleration. I believe him. I, I, I believe him. I believe God is doing some amazing things right now. You say, well, everything seems to be looking bad. We don't operate in the economy of this world. That's the first thing we gotta get squared away as believers, okay? We live, as a believer, we live in Goshen. There's a different set of rules, different set of dynamics. And you get over and you align yourself with God's word and you honor the point. We're talking about the man of God or whoever the leader is, uh, honoring the point. Let me give you an, an idea, of, because this church has so much honor in it. Man, I'm just, uh, I've been amazed since I've been here. But let me, let me give you a little insight for somebody about honoring the point. Uh, when you have, when you want bird hunting, sometimes a, uh, the hunter will have two or three dogs, bird dogs, and they're going out in the brush, and uh, they, the dogs work their way through, and when a dog senses a bird is there, they set. And when the hunter's ready, he'll give the command, they'll rush, flush them up, and they'll shoot them. Now, here's what I want you to know, is that if there's two or three dogs, if one of the dogs catches the scent or sees the bird, it'll set. The other two, they may not see it, but they also set. They're honoring the point. Are you following me? That's why, you know, you may not see what's going on, uh, what's happening. I've been sitting over here. I usually sit a few in the fourth row about five seats in uh, That's my seat. Don't sit there at 11 because it, it's offensive uh, but uh, uh, But I, I've been meditating and praying and I'll hear somebody maybe over here 
during the worship, you know, they'll, they'll begin to worship and I'll, I'll sense something. And you know what I do? Immediately, if, I don't care if, if I'm distracted or what's going on, I stop for a moment and I lock into what they have. I honor the point. When one of the members of the worship team is here and they say, come on, really lock into something. I don't care if my mind was out somewhere else or I was thinking about the parking lot. Immediately, I lock in and honor the point. It's amazing what happens when you honor the point and you align yourself with what God is doing. God is doing some amazing things. He wants to bless your life. He wants to make your life real and exciting. And I do believe that God is making us and bringing us into a fruitful place. We've just got to realize that barrenness is a season. God is gonna change some things. You're gonna get another job. You will get a promotion. You will lateral. Your children will come back to the Lord. Are you following me? They may have lost their way, but they, stay, they still have the Lord. There was a man in my dad's church that went out, he was a musician and singer, and he went out, just left and walked away from God and was out doing whatever he was doing with music and the lifestyle that he was carrying on with, giving God no thought, and they prayed for him. And I'm telling you, 35 years later, he walked into the back of my dad's church. Let me just tell you something, God's got you. God's got your family. And, that, and, and with regard to barrenness, don't think God is against you or that the devil is picking on you. Listen, the devil's not picking on you. Let me explain how the devil works uh, for, th for those that are walking through this barrenness. It's not about you, it's about your house. Are you following me? Okay, it, it, the devil, when he comes against me, he's not interested in just taking Philip out He's looking at Philip, his wife, his children, his grandchildren, everybody that's in my house. He's looking to destroy the house of Haas. That's why he wants to destroy my marriage, okay? That's why he wants to, to cause different things to happen. He's interested in destroying my house. Are you following me? He doesn't want to leave nothing standing. You're, you're thinking too small if you think the enemy's just after you. He's after everything around you including you, anything connected to you. Uh, he wants to destroy everything, kill and to steal and destroy everything. So as you're walking through this place of barrenness in your life, I want to tell you that God has got you. If you read down there, it says in verse 21, it said that Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, or he prayed. Uh, one translation said he prayed hard. Another translation said he interceded. Another uh, translation said he was fervent in prayer. He didn't just pray one prayer, he prayed. Can I just tell you, there's an acronym and it's PUSH, P-U-S-H. And that's something we need to attach to things in our life. If you're going through a place of barrenness, PUSH. Push means you pray until something happens. You don't stop short of whatever God has. You said, I prayed for it 10 times. Pray for it another time and another time. Don't give up until you got it. Are you following me? Don't, don't give up till you got it. You gotta push through some things. God is faithful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9 says God is faithful. He's reliable, trustworthy. Uh, every time to take care of his promises. You can depend on him. God is faithful. God hasn't left you. God has not forgot about you. Are you following me? All right. Now, where's the timer? Thank you. Okay. Now, I'm going to, that's just to get somebody's attention there. Uh, 
But let, let me just give you this. I went through for somebody here today. Because one of the things I've noticed here at this church, this church has more talent and more anointing on men and women, young and what, than, than any place I've ever been. I've never seen this much talent in one place. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, the, 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 the young men and women I'm talking about, young because I'm, I'm older, but just young folks, just it's amazing. Uh, I, I tell everybody about it, uh, what, you know, the, the talent that's here. So let me just tell somebody something here. If you're here and you feel like that God has something for you and there's more in ministry. This, uh, I was about 30 years old and uh, working hard uh, on my job and then serving my father in the church and doing so many things. Uh, I, I was preaching, doing things, but uh, I went through a season. It was about a little over a year and man, I just felt nothing. I felt nothing. I, I did when I preached, there was an anointing, but as far as me, there was just nothing for over a year. I saw people around me and it looked like they were being, because this is where I was at now. Uh, I, I was looking around and seeing people that were being promoted and things were happening and it just seemed like it wasn't happening around me. And suddenly now, uh, instead of my own expectation, I started to feel the pressure of other people's expectation. You know, like, what's going on with him? And I would have people come through and say, why aren't you doing this? Or at this age, you should be doing such and such. And I didn't feel anything. I just felt so hollow. And one night, uh, after a conference uh, at my father's church, a lady that I really didn't know, she knew my name, and I was standing there with my wife after the service, and she walked up, and she said, Philip, God wants you to know that he hasn't forgot about you. And suddenly just something just broke in, in my life and everything shifted. That's a word for somebody here today. God has not forgot about you. God has not forgot about you. I don't care what you've got going on in your life. Uh, you say, well, you're talking about ministry. Everybody has a minister. Are you kidding me right now? All of us have an assignment. We're all gifted and talented with so many awesome and amazing things that uh, it, God could use and wants to use everybody and hasn't forgot about you. Let me just, let me drop down and uh, I'm gonna kind of drop to the end of my message here for a moment because I wanna take some time for something for ministry. I, I wanna say this, that in time she conceived and there was a process and uh, I'm not gonna, I don't feel that right now, so I'm not gonna go there. Uh, but through the process of that carrying that seed, because you know what? Her, in her barrenness, God heard her prayer, the prayer of her husband, she conceived. And some of you have a seed of promise inside of you, but you've not saw the fruit of it yet. And you're carrying it. Can I just tell you, don't lose the baby. Stay with it. Stay plugged in. She delivered. And she had two sons, twin boys, that both of them were great. One of them, Esau, one of them, Jacob. And she delivered on the promise. Can I just tell you, you've got a promise inside of you. Don't let it die. Even if hope has got dim, 
Even if you're going through a place of barrenness or you're feeling the pressure and expectation of so many things and so many people, don't, don't, don't lose sight. Don't lose hope. Hang in there. God will come through. God will deliver. And I really, everything that today, if I could just narrow it down to one thing, I just want to tell you that you've got a promise. We walk by faith, not by sight. You are going to get a promotion. You are going to get a job. Your business will take off. Things will come together. Your family will come together. Your marriage will get better. Uh, things will happen for you. Uh, God will bless your life. The Bible says that in Jeremiah that, that we, he ha looks to us and he loves us and he has hope and a future for us. God wants your life to be blessed. And this moment today, God is going to break off some things off your life and he's going to give you fresh desire. He's going to motivate you. He's going to help you. And all it, God can do it anywhere at any time. But let me tell you something. Let me give you a little, little thing here. Why is it that people are asked to come forward to the altar? Because this is where your life gets altered. This is where things change. It starts back there, and then you make your way up here. And it just takes a moment. It don't take an hour. It just takes maybe a few moments. All you need from God to change everything in your world is God to glance at you, to look your direction and wink at you, or to smile at you, or to nod at you. It just takes a moment and everything shifts and everything changes in your life. Just a moment. All it, sometimes it takes is somebody connecting with you. That's why they have leaders that come up that lay their hand on your shoulder or pray with you. That just that connection pushes you over the top. Everything happens in a moment with God. Everything. And God wants to bless your life. So if you're here today, I want to do two things. If you're here today and uh, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. That's not about me. That's about you and God. I'm just giving you space and I'm just going to pray with you. You know it because you've already been thinking about it and it's got up in your mind that you know what I need to get some things squared away I, I want to trust God lean into this thing so if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life the Bible calls that repentance uh, it's a change of heart change of mind new direction new beginning and can I just tell you also if somebody maybe you've maybe you've kind of lost your way for a minute lost your footing and but you're here today can I just tell you what I've learned is God is not just the God of a second chance, but he's the God of another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance because that's the way he's worked with me, giving me another chance and another chance and another chance and uh, to change everything, everything in your life.